The accounting firm of Haynes, Eisenbarger, and Skiba presents the 26th College Football Hall of Fame season of Fighting Irish Preview. And now, the Guadalupe's Mexican Grill Food Made Fresh kickoff with your host, Phil Houck. Born out of an effort to liven up a sleepy downtown after World War II, the Tax Slayer Gator Bowl was founded in 1946. It is the sixth oldest bowl in existence, and three times in its history, Notre Dame has played in the landmark game. In 1976, there were just 12 bowls, and Notre Dame, for the first time in its history of bowling, which had not really been that long since they had only started going to bowls in 1970, accepted a bid to a game outside of the major bowls and played in the Gator Bowl. The 15th ranked and 8-3 and Irish were led by second-year head coach Dan Devine. Their opponent was 7-4 and 20th ranked Penn State, headed up by Joe Paterno. The Irish scored all 20 of their points in the first half. Running back Al Hunter gained 102 yards and scored both of the Irish touchdowns, and then the defense took control. Led by outstanding performances by a pair of brothers, defensive end Ross and safety Jim Browner, the Irish held the Nittany Lions to a first-quarter field goal and a late touchdown. The Irish prevailed on the day 20-9. to By 1999, when the Irish next visited the Gator, there were 23 bowls in existence. Bob Davey had led the Irish to a 9-2 regular season, and the Irish were matched up against number 12 Georgia Tech, also 9-2. Autry Denson had a big day with 130 yards rushing and two touchdowns, but the Yellow Jackets prevailed 35-28. Four years later, in 2003, it was back to the Gator, and there were now 28 bowls. Ty Willingham's first team earned the berth with a 10-2 record. The Irish were led that day by the quarterback tandem of Carlisle Holliday and Pat Dillingham. But they were no answer for the passing of North Carolina State's Phillip Rivers. The Wolfpack trounced the Irish 28-6. Now... 19 years later, there are 41 bowls, and the Irish are back in the Gator, this time to match up with 8-4 South Carolina. The Gamecocks finished their regular season with upset wins over Tennessee and Clemson. They look to continue their hot streak against a fighting Irish team looking for a little momentum for 2023 and with interesting questions at the quarterback position. Guadalupe's Mexican Grill with locations on Illinois and Leo Roads. Look for more locations soon. Now, stay tuned for Fighting Irish Insight from America's foremost authority on Notre Dame football, Tim Priester, senior editor of IrishIllustrated.com. After these words from Haynes, Eisenbarger, and Skiba, Sheer McCulloch Auctioneers, and Refreshing Coors Light. Made to chill. This is Fighting Irish Preview. The University of Notre Dame exemplifies dedication to hard work, integrity, and personal values, which result in success in the classroom and on the football field. The professionals at Haynes, Eisenbarger, and Skiba, like Notre Dame, know the same dedication, and their experience and expertise provide peace of mind for you and your business. Tax planning, tax compliance, auditing, business valuation, and estate planning, the full-service accounting firm of Haynes, Eisenbarger, and Skiba, like the Irish, has what it takes to help you achieve success. Located in Fort Wayne near Jefferson Point, Haynes, Eisenbarger, and Skiba proudly supports Notre Dame football and congratulates all those who are a part of the greatest tradition in all of sports. Go Irish!
That to-do list you have needs one more thing. Chill. It's an easy thing to do. Just crack open an ice-cold Coors Light and chill. Take the afternoon off and binge watch anything. Go to happy hour and stay for a couple hours. Who's counting anyways? Or hang out with just your dog, because you've had enough human interaction this week. Whatever you do, do it with a Coors Light. Mountain cold refreshment made to chill. 2020 Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Celebrate responsibly. Now back to Fighting Irish Preview with your host, Phil Howe. Tim Priester, you know, the month leading up to bowl game, you know, because there's so much going on and there's been a lot going on since we last talked, it seems to fly by. Bowls are special. I don't care what players that opt out seem to think. I think they're important. And in our lives, Tim, you and I have seen 39 bowl appearances by the Irish now, in person, I'm a relative newbie to the bowl game thing. I have attended seven games. This year will be my eighth. How many bowl games have you been to? Yeah, this will be 33 for me, Phil. 30, 33 in a row. Oh, I'm sorry, 31 in a row, and including when I was a kid going to uh, the Cotton Bowl and the, and the Orange Bowl. It's been 33. So, yeah, I've seen, I've seen it all. There's been huge games that the entire country was paying attention to. And there's been some bowl games where only Notre Dame fans were paying attention to them, but um, it's been a great ride. And, uh, and Notre Dame hasn't been the Gator bowl in 20 years. And they, 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 uh, they got some ground to make up in the Gator bowl. They do. Uh, the Gators a good bowl though. It's one of the oldest ones as we'll talk about later, but Tim, give us a bowl memory or two that stand out for you personally. It doesn't have to be about the game itself, but just something interesting that happened to you at a bowl game in 33 years, something that interesting. I'm sure many things have happened to you. Yeah. You know, there was the, uh, there was the living a lie bowl, the, the orange bowl against Colorado by Lou Holtz, which went public uh, with regard to the Colorado quarterback at the time, but I'm still gonna I'm gonna fall back on the one that mattered the most, Phil, and it was the the '88 national title against West Virginia. Um, I will say we were expecting our our one and only child at that time, so that makes it memorable uh, from that standpoint. But you know, this was a game where they knocked Major Harris, the quarterback, out of the game. He was a uh, had been a Heisman Trophy candidate. Nordheim went in and dominated that game. It was a little bit anticlimactic because of Nordheim's big win over USC in the Coliseum a few weeks earlier. But for me, the the one that stands out, and you know, that was back in the day, Phil, when you got there, you know, a week, eight days ahead of the game, and you had press conferences every day, and you had access to practices in the in the program like you don't get now. But you know, that was Notre Dame's last national title. Who knows when another one will come? And uh, that was the Fiesta Bowl and one that always sticks out to me. Yeah, I can always remember Mike Stonebreaker placing that hit on Major Harris, and uh, that set the tone for that game real, real fast. My little story about a, a, a bowl game is the first bowl I ever went to was the 1983 Liberty Bowl. Uh, Doug Flutie, Boston College, the Irish against uh, Boston College. The Irish won that day, 19-18, to 18, but what was most memorable was how unbelievably cold it was in Memphis, and I literally got frostbite from being at that game. And well, had, I believe it. had to be treated for it. <laughs> yeah, I, I was in the press box, of course, but I do remember people slipping and falling down the ice-covered steps. Uh, you know, Jerry Faust beating Doug Flutie in, in a bowl game is a little bit, bit unusual. And Notre Dame had two 
100-yard rushers that day, Chris Smith and, of course, the great Alan Pinkett. Well, that's an amazing thing to think about, 200-yard rushers on that day. And the reason Notre Dame was won was because they were the only ones that were able to convert an extra point. The score, 19-18, to would have been 18-18 to with three touchdowns for each team, but the field conditions were so bad that they couldn't get a placement down, but the Irish did get one down and won 19-18. to Bull memories, and we'll make some more in the next few days. All right, biggest news, I thought, in the last few weeks, and the big news just keeps on coming, but first of all, Drew Pine enters the transfer portal. Tim, your thoughts, how much did this surprise you, and and did it make sense? Well, I think it made sense for him, but what do you think? Did he make the right move? Well, first of all, I mean, I think everybody was caught by surprise. You didn't expect anything to happen before a bowl game, but it was made known. Marcus Freeman was very honest with the quarterbacks that they were going to pursue a, a transfer quarterback and um you know as as we at irish illustrate said team pine decided that it was time to move on they were they were disappointed in the fact that nordame would bring in a transfer quarterback i think any any program in the country under similar circumstances would do the same so uh, yeah it was a it was a huge surprise um lessened a bit by the fact that Tyler Buckner will be healthy for this game. Uh, otherwise, he would have been starting Steve Angeli, who hasn't played a real meaningful minute or or taken a meaningful snap. Yeah, that's uh, that's fortuitous for the Irish that Buckner got well a little quicker than expected. When he originally went down, it was supposed to be 12 weeks, and he's going to be back in nine weeks. Uh, and looks like to be the starter, and we'll talk a little more about that later. But you, you mentioned the the transfer quarterback coming in, and uh, well, as Irish Illustrated has reported or inferred on several occasions, many occasions over the last six seven weeks, Sam Hartman is now in the transfer portal. Is he Notre Dame bound? I think there's a very good chance of that. I don't want to say 100 percent because what happens? A player enters the portal and he finds out you know, just how much everybody else wants him. And of course, Sam Hartman is, is a very desirable transfer for most schools, nearly 13,000 passing yards in five seasons or really four and a half seasons for Wake Forest, 110 touchdown passes. And he's a winner. I mean, he's taken Wake Forest to heights that Wake Forest has never really experienced before. They've only had two 11 win seasons in their history. And one of them came with Sam Hartman in 2021. So, very desirable. We'll see what happens. I don't think we'll hear anything until after the bowl game, uh, just out of respect to everybody. But I think there's an excellent chance that Sam Hartman will be in a Nordane uniform next year, and the number 10 is available because Drew Pine uh, has left Notre Dame. Isn't that fabulous reality, no doubt. So, Tim, the question about the Gator Bowl then is, how do the Irish actually handle the quarterback situation? And do you think we might see both Angeli and Tyler Buckner? I, I think there's a chance. We wrote, Irish Illustrated wrote a story a few weeks ago, and I think that there's a chance we, we see Angeli. The problem with that is that, as I said, he hasn't really taken a meaningful snap and hasn't, hasn't thrown the football in real live competition. But Tyler Buckner's back. South Carolina's vulnerable, vulnerable to the run. Tyler Buckner offers a running threat against the South Carolina defense that has given up a whole bunch of, uh, of ground uh, yards on the ground. So I think it'll be mostly Buckner, but I wouldn't rule out the possibility of Angeli playing. Yeah, I would not 
either. I just have a hunch that we're going to see both of them, and not because of an injury, just because that may be the game plan. Uh, all right, another news in the last few weeks, the transfer portal. Uh Really, the Irish transfer portal players declaring it's been kind of quiet. Kane Barron, uh, tight end. Uh, of course, Jacob Lacey and Joe Wilkins earlier, we knew about them. But how many do we expect after the bowl game? Because that's when I have a feeling the Irish transfer portal is going to get active. Yeah, I would say at least a half a dozen. And I don't want to name names per se, but if you look at Notre Dame's roster, especially those players that will be juniors in 2023, guys that haven't really seen the light of day in terms of playing time. I think if you look in the secondary, you, you might find a couple people there. Uh, I guess I'm kind of specifying by saying that, but I would say about, I would say about a half dozen and we expect Notre Dame then to pick up some additional transfers themselves, including wide receiver, Caleb Smith, who, who already has signed with Notre Dame. He was at Virginia tech for the last few years. Uh, ironically, Notre Dame signed a, a freshman by the same name of Caleb Smith it was the same spelling, so you're going to have a uh, you're going to have to go by nicknames in 2023 at the wide receiver positions. The older and the younger uh, that doesn't really have a real uh, 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 flair to it, so I think we may have to come up with something else. Okay, so fans, look for that after the game, and don't be shocked when you see a few more Irish hit the transfer portal. But let's talk about the two opt-outs that the Irish had. Isaiah Foskey, Michael Mayer, really no surprise, and congratulations to both of them. Consensus first team All-Americans. That is a tremendous honor. Uh, first of all, I don't like opt-outs because I'm old, I guess, I, but I get it. I understand. And who's to say, I mean, if I was in that situation, if I had been a great football player just a few weeks from NFL millions, I probably would have opted out. I, I, I don't know if I would have. But anyway, I, I want to say God bless Jarrett Patterson because he's in that position and he decided to play. Tim, how do you feel about opt outs? Well, I mean, I don't, I don't like them either. I think, you know, I think it's ironic that throughout the regular season, players talk about playing for their brothers or fellow teammates. And then you get to the postseason. I, I, I think they, they seem to lose some of their uh, affiliation with the program, but I get it. You know, it's, that's modern day football. I get it. I accept it. Um, Michael Mayer is going to be a first round draft choice. Isaiah Foskey is going to be selected within the first couple rounds. Yes. I too give Jared Patterson a lot of credit, a two-time captain. I know the, the response on his part was, um, you know, that's what a two-time captain should do. Uh, so you respect that and appreciate that. And that's a guy that's had some significant injury issues in the past. So great respect for him, but no disrespect towards Foskey and Mayer. They have to do what's in their best interest, and I think everybody around Notre Dame understands that. It's just part of the college football world that we live in, folks. So how do the Irish replace those players in the game? And first of all, talk about Michael Mayer. How do they possibly – I mean, you can't replace the world's greatest college football tight end, but how can the Irish compensate for his loss in this game? Well, they'll do it with numbers. It's still a good tight end room. Um, Obviously, it was – a superstar level room with Mayer in it. Mitchell Evans will be at the forefront of things. David Sherwood, who's a former walk-on, will be a blocking tight end. Uh, Holden stays a true freshman. No, you're not. Notre Dame could force feed the football to Michael Mayer and usually 
get productivity out of him. They're not going to be able to do that this time. But as I mentioned earlier, South Carolina has been very vulnerable to the running game. I think those guys are all capable blockers, um, you know, especially Sherwood and and Evans, too. I think Evans has been very valuable. I think we'll see the football thrown to him a little bit more. But no, Tyler Buckner does not have the security blanket that he had at the beginning of the season and Drew Pine had as a 10-game starter for Notre Dame. Yeah, not only is it a big uh, big shoes to fill, but uh, the only active tight end on the roster right now that has a catch, and it's one single catch, and that is Holden Stays. But I like the emergence of the wide receivers, Jaden Thomas, Deion Colsey, bigger guys, and I think they can also compensate in that way. On the other side of the ball, Tim, who will get Isaiah Foskey's reps at Viper End? You know, I think Justin Adamalola, who has bounced between the to the big end and the Viper end, I think he'll get the majority of them there. Riley Mills and, and Nana Safo Mensa will be on the, the the big end side. You know, and then you look at uh, you look at Jordan Botello getting some action there as well. So you kind of have to do it by uh, community, I guess you would say that the, the, the entire roster of defensive ends, they're not going to be able to rush the passer as well as they would with Isaiah Foskey, but you know, that's where you find yourself. And, and, uh, you know, another guy, Niwafe Tui Alamaka, the freshman who came in as a Mike linebacker has played some Viper end too. So they've got some numbers, uh, but it won't be, it, you, you won't have, uh, as, as quality of a pass rush because you don't have the, the, the program's all-time leading sack artist in Isaiah Foskey. Yeah, it's it's awfully tough to replace consensus All-Americans under the best of circumstances. Isaiah Foskey and Michael Mayer will be tough to replace, but uh, next man up, the Irish move on. All right, let's address National Signing Day. That was last week. The Irish, as expected, lost out on five-star safety Peyton Bowen to Oregon. Tim, it sounds like NIL money sunk the Irish Come on on that, but more importantly, comment on this class coming in. It's ranked number nine nationally, but it is loaded with talent. Yeah, it, it really is. And, you know, I mean, it, you, you bemoan the fact that you had an opportunity at Keon Keeley, who would have gone a long way towards solving Nordheim's Viper issues going into next year. And then Peyton Bowen. But, you know, I mean... It, and I don't want this misinterpreted, but if you don't want to be at Notre Dame, then you shouldn't be at, at, at Notre Dame. And I clearly NIL has played a role in this, uh, and it's going to be difficult for Notre Dame when, as, it, as it relates to five-star recruits. But I love what they did at wide receiver. I have Jaden Greathouse at the top of that group. I think Drake Bowen's one of the great linebackers in the country. Uh, Christian Gray is a top-notch cornerback. They addressed the offensive line situation really well with Charles Jagasa as the lead man there. I think some of those other guys are are prospects, but I, I like him a lot. Then you have Jeremiah Love, the running back slash slot receiver, is very good as well. So, uh, you know, a bunch of good receivers, a, uh, a bunch of very promising defensive linemen, although not a viper in the class, which is a shortcoming that they couldn't make up once they lost Keon Keeley to Alabama. But 24-star athletes in this class, that's the most ever in Notre Dame history. And Tim, just a quick hit on this one. I kind of felt sorry for Peyton Bowen, the way this whole thing went down. It's just crazy. The kid's 17 years old, 18 years old. How did you feel about that? Yeah, I know what you're saying, Phil, but I also think that that the Bowen family owed Notre Dame more than they gave them. They weren't honest with them. 
they were they were deceitful actually in how they dealt with Notre Dame. And frankly, at the end of the day, I mean, at the end of the day, I think it worked out best for Peyton Bowen because I really think that his heart was with Oklahoma, despite actually being verbally committed to Notre Dame since the fiesta, the day of the Fiesta Bowl against Oklahoma State. That was when Peyton Bowen verbally committed to Notre Dame. But yes, he's just a kid. He bounced around. It's you know Oregon. And he verbally committed to Oregon just out of the blue. Unbelievable. Uh, and clearly that was NIL related. But from Peyton Bowen's standpoint, he's happiest at Oklahoma. Yeah. Well, I wish the young man good luck. Thanks, Tim. Coming up, it's the all-time Irish hero, key to an Irish victory, injury report, and the world-famous Irish Illustrated prediction. And during the break, it's the Fighting Irish Fact of the Week, brought to you by Ron Wise and the Wise Insurance Agency. This is the 382nd edition of Fighting Irish Preview. This is Art Salzberg. I don't speak for a lot of companies, but Sharon McCulloch is a firm that provides a great and much-needed service. As Sharon and I get older, we've been thinking of moving, but frankly, the thought is somewhat overwhelming. That's where Shearer McCulloch comes in with a full-service plan that takes the pressure off. Listen to this. Shearer McCulloch will sell your house, auction the items you don't want to take, then pack everything else and move you. In sports terms, that's a blowout win. Shearer McCulloch uses an international auction platform to make sure your possessions are seen by the right buyers. They'll get top dollar for your special treasures. Sheer McCulloch is highly recommended by leading retirement communities and law firms, plus their AAA with the Better Business Bureau. Call them at 441-8636. That's 441-8636. They'll make your moving experience easy and profitable. Sheer McCulloch. The Fighting Irish Fact of the Week is brought to you by our friends at the Wise Insurance Agency. Notre Dame has played bowls in eight different states. Florida, Texas, Arizona, Louisiana, Tennessee, Hawaii, New York, and California. Call Ron Wise at the Wise Insurance Agency or go to thewiseinsuranceagency.com and get an auto or home quote in less than five minutes. That to-do list you have needs one more thing. Chill. Take the afternoon off and binge watch anything. Go to happy hour and stay for a couple hours. Whatever you do, do it with a Coors Light. Mountain cold refreshment made to chill. 2020 Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Celebrate responsibly. Now back to Fighting Irish Preview with your host, Phil Halk. This is Fighting Irish Preview. The 21st ranked Irish take on the 19th ranked South Carolina Gamecocks this week. TV coverage on ESPN starts at 3.30 p.m. South Bend time. And it's now time for the all-time Irish hero, brought to you by the Marina at Lake Gage. Chris Craft, Master Craft, and Premier Pontoons, new and previously owned, we share your boating passion. And this year, we have focused on the fighting Irish quarterback since 1988. And for our last quarterback of the year, a bowl special, a quarterback who played before 1988, but he is arguably the most famous living Notre Dame football player there is. Joe Montana. Joe Montana came to Notre Dame out of Monongahela, Pennsylvania in 1974. He actually had a kind of a hard time winning a starting job for the Irish, but when Joe Montana finally hit the playing field, for his performances were amazing, and his comeback victories are the stuff that turned Joe into a Notre Dame legend. 
Montana led the Irish to a 38-10 victory over then-number-1 Texas and the national championship in the 1978 Cotton Bowl, but his most amazing bowl performance occurred the next year again in the Cotton Bowl. By halftime that day on a brutally cold and icy field, the Irish trailed Houston 20-12, and Montana was fighting off the flu and hypothermia. Things looked bleak for the Irish and the comeback kid. His body temperature had fallen to 96 degrees on a ridiculously cold day in Texas, his face ashen. Montana reclined in a locker room corner covered with blankets. Then what turned out to be something of a miracle cure arrived. A team doctor prescribed a bowl of chicken soup. Montana took his medicine but remained in the locker room through the third quarter. He then rallied and was able to re-enter the game with 7 minutes and 37 seconds remaining in the fourth quarter. But the situation on the scoreboard had gotten worse. The Irish now trailed Houston 34-12. Montana would have to perform almost perfectly if the Irish were to have any hope. The team's spirit was buoyed by the reappearance of their leader. The defense made plays, and Montana performed brilliantly as he methodically brought the Irish back. After a defensive score, a Montana rushing score, and two two-point conversion passes, he threw the winning touchdown pass to Chris Haynes, and with no time left on the clock, the extra point was good. The Irish prevailed that day 35-34. to The chicken soup game set in stone Montana's reputation as the comeback kid. National championship, four Super Bowl rings. A few years ago, he was named Sports Illustrated's number one clutch quarterback of all time. Tim, Joe Montana is a living Notre Dame legend. Well, there's no doubt about that, Phil. And uh, even even beyond his years, he will remain a Notre Dame legend. I, you know, I can remember being a young kid and, and you know, it was despair. They were down 34 to 12. He wasn't in the game. You felt that there was no chance. And you pointed out the plays that he made. He throws a touchdown pass to Chris Haynes. And, you know, the conditions were, were anything. I, I mean, even under, even under uh, normal conditions, it would have been difficult to do what he did. But considering the, the, the nature of the game and the weather that day, absolutely spectacular. He had already, you know, he had already won a national title uh, leading Notre Dame, and he just added to the lore with that incredible incredible performance in the Cotton Bowl against Houston. Yeah, a game I will never forget. I remember it was brutally cold and snowy in South Bend that day where I was, but it was unbelievably bad weather down in Texas. I think the temperature was 12 degrees at game time. The field was covered with ice. They weren't prepared for that kind of weather. And the Montana story is true. I mean, it really happened. It was a bowl of soup, and he got a little bit better and came out and led the team to victory. And during his NFL career, Joe Montana led his teams to 31 fourth-quarter come-from-behind victories. Joe Montana, another Marina at Lake Gage all-time Irish hero. The Marina at Lake Gage, we love boats, and it's now time for the Aspen Mortgage Key to an Irish victory. South Carolina is 8-4, and four, and like the Irish, second-year head coach Shane Beamer's Gamecocks started their season 1-2. 
They finished off their regular season with an impressive flourish. First, they defeated number 5 Tennessee in a 63-38 upset, scoring touchdowns on 9 of 11 drives. Then a week later, they defeated Clemson in a rivalry game 31-30. South Carolina is led by Oklahoma transfer quarterback Spencer Rattler. On the year, Rattler is a 66.6% passer and has thrown 16 touchdown passes and 11 interceptions. Much of his production came in the last two games. In those contests, he has averaged a shade under 400 yards passing and threw eight touchdown passes and two interceptions. Rattler is not much of a runner and has been sacked 28 times, the 80th worst mark in the country. It is also worth noting that South Carolina has given up 90 tackles for loss, ranking them 116th worst overall. South Carolina is 99th nationally in rushing yards per game, and two of their top running threats, along with their top tight end, have entered the transfer portal. South Carolina will also be without their offensive coordinator, Marcus Satterfield, who recently accepted the offensive coordinator position at Nebraska. The Gamecocks' top receiving threat is 6'1", 207-pound Antoine Juice Wells Jr. Wells has 63 catches, good for 898 yards and six touchdowns. The Gamecock offense has been outstanding in the red zone. They've converted 36 of 51 inside the 20 into touchdowns. That is a rate that ranks 21st best in the nation. South Carolina has one of the worst turnover marks in the nation with 25 total, 12 fumbles, and 13 interceptions. Defensively, the Gamecocks have struggled, particularly against the run. South Carolina gives up 4.85 yards per rushing attempt, ranking them 112th. Several teams have had big days running on the Gamecocks, among them Florida, 374 yards, Arkansas, 295, and Clemson, 237 yards. South Carolina has been good against the pass and are allowing just 199.5 yards per game. That's 27th best in the country. And they have one of the best marks nationally at sixth in completion percentage allowed. South Carolina has sacked the quarterback just 18 times on the season and have 54 tackles for loss. Both numbers rank among the worst in the nation. Two starters, a defensive tackle and their nickelback on the defense, have opted out of the game. Special teams are a strong point for the Gamecocks. This season, the Gamecocks are right behind the Irish nationally in blocked kicks with six, and they ranked in the top 20 nationally in kickoff coverage, punt returns, and kick returns. Tim Priester, what is the Aspen Mortgage key to an Irish victory? Well, Phil, you covered you know pretty much all of it. I, I think Notre Dame fans should recognize that Spencer Rattler, when he's on his game, is absolutely tremendous. He's an NFL quarterback. But I, I'm, I'm going to go pretty basic, as I have many times before. Notre Dame should win the line of scrimmage, and they should win behind the line of scrimmage, as you mentioned. South Carolina hasn't run the football very well. They don't have Marshawn Lloyd, their leading rusher. They, they haven't... Uh, uh, defended the run well at all. And then, as you mentioned, behind the line of scrimmage, Notre Dame has way more sacks, albeit without Isaiah Foskey this time, and South Carolina gives up a bunch of sacks and, and lost yardage. So not only is the key winning the line of scrimmage, but winning 
behind the line of scrimmage in this game. Okay, win the line of scrimmage and win behind the line of scrimmage. That is Tim Priester's Aspen Mortgage key to an Irish victory. And Tim Priester, who is this week's Aspen Mortgage key player for the Irish? Well, I'm, re- I'm really looking forward to the matchup between Notre Dame cornerback Ben Morrison and, and Juice Wells, the wide receiver for South Carolina. Wells is very, very good, as we know. Uh, ben Morrison is going to be great, and he's in the process of playing at that level right now. Really looking forward to that matchup of Morrison against Wells with Rattler delivering the football. All right, Ben Morrison is your Aspen Mortgage Key Irish player this week. Aspen Mortgage, for all your mortgage needs, call 486-LOAN. And it's now time for the injury report brought to you by Indiana Physical Therapy. Your choice for physical therapy now with 22 Indiana locations. Tim, the four weeks off ought to make the Irish pretty healthy. How are they going into the bowl game finale? Yeah, in addition, of course, Mayor Foskey and Pine being out, you add the injuries too. We don't expect Cam Hart to play in this game. He injured his shoulder in the last regular season game in Nordane Stadium. Jason Adam Alolo is dealing with a with a rib problem late in the year, and he didn't uh, didn't practice uh, full go during the, the time in Jacksonville. So that that hurts Notre Dame. But you know, when you add it all up and you add up the opt outs that South Carolina has. I think Nordane gets a, gets the benefit of the doubt there. Tobias Merriweather, the freshman whiteout, should be back in action for Notre Dame as well. That's good news. And, and Tariq Bracey as well is expected back. Am I yeah, correct? Tariq Bracey will also play a role you know, in helping defend Juice Wells. No doubt about it. And it's now time for the world-famous Irish Illustrated Prediction, brought to you by SES Environmental. Need help navigating environmental risk and with regulatory compliance? You need SES. Look them up at sesadvantage.com. Tim Priester, Vegas, says the Irish by two and a half. What does America's foremost authority say? Now, the first thing I look at, at in this game, in addition to what we mentioned about winning the line of scrimmage and behind it, is the quarterback matchup, which does not, on paper, certainly does not favor Notre Dame. Spencer Rattler coming in as a very hot quarterback, but he will be playing in the game for the first time in 34 days, so we don't know whether he'll be able to maintain that that hot streak. You mentioned it in describing South Carolina. The red zone is very, very key for Notre Dame. South Carolina very good offensively. Notre Dame's defense has really been horrible. They're 130th in the country, and that's a little bit hard to explain. Now you have to do it without Isaiah Foskey in the lineup. But I think when you add everything up, you add Notre Dame's ability to win the line of scrimmage, to run the football, whereas South Carolina should struggle. At the end of the day, I, you know the, the one thing that I'm battling with is does it go over the 51 and a half or under, uh, and since it's going to be an inexperienced quarterback, for Notre Dame, uh, I'm going to take the under. But I think Notre Dame still runs the football, and Tyler Buckner contributes to that. Final score, 27-23 in favor of Notre Dame. ND 27, South Carolina 23. That is Tim Priester's world-famous Irish illustrated prediction. I agree, Tim. The Irish should run the football in this game well. I like uh, the addition of Tyler Buckner to that equation. And defensively, the Irish have enough talent, I think, to take advantage of an offense that really is one-dimensional. Notre Dame 31, South Carolina 28. Thanks, Tim. Thank you, Phil. Go Irish, and thanks for listening to Fighting Irish Preview. 
Special thanks to Jim Shovel and Brett Rump, Art Salzberg, and studio producer Adam Schenkel. For more Fighting Irish Preview, check out FightingIrishPreview.com and also listen to and subscribe to our podcast, available on all podcast platforms. Fighting Irish Preview is the copyrighted property of Judge Phil Productions. Podcasts by Federated Media.